this is everybody's problem. This is the problem of our, of our priesthood, of our marriages, of our future generations. How can we not address this? Jim O'Day, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, John Henry. This is an honor for me to be on your show. Wow, likewise. Let's begin as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. For this show, I almost think we should start with the St. Michael prayer, only because this is the number one weapon Satan uses to bring people to hell, as we were told by Sister Lucy, as revealed to her by Our Lady of Fatima. So you know what? If you don't mind, we'll just say the St. Michael prayer. I think it's a great idea. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the day of battle. Be our safeguard against the wickedness, the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. Actually, uh, in this ministry, um, we have dedicated this ministry to the three archangels. And we did that when we started uh, about 10 years ago. And uh, I can't imagine where we would be without their intercession. So thank you for the St. Michael's Prayer. Yeah, you are really in the battle. Um, this is where uh, Satan has taken most people. This is his sacred territory, if you will. The quote from um, Our Lady through Sister Lucy, more people go to hell because of sins of the flesh than for any other reason, expounded by St. Lucy. This is about um, impurity. And we see it now more than ever before. Why don't you start telling us about that? What does this problem look like today? Well, the... I want to say, first of all, when we, when we talk about uh, the the spiritual battle component of this, and, and here at Integrity Restored, we, we have what we call three pillars of recovery. The first is the science, strong counseling and therapy. The second is an increase in the spiritual life, frequent reception of the sacraments and spiritual direction. And then the third is community and accountability, because we can't do it alone. When we talk about the spiritual battle here, you were absolutely 100% right when you said that this is Satan's playground. And why is that? Because he is inherently lazy. He doesn't have to work hard to get people to fall to sins of the flesh. And there's really scientific reasons why that happens. Our brains are built in a certain way, and God was incredible in his design. And those chemicals that are released when we are aroused, when we are intimate, are powerful, powerful chemicals that become addicting. And so unlike alcohol or drugs, which is an external substance that we have to bring in our body to get those feelings, with pornography addiction, we're carrying our own source of supply in our brains 24 hours a day. So 
the devil is very smart in knowing I don't have to really work hard to make people fall to this sin. Now, the good news is you can rewire your brain. Our brains are neuroplastic. They will rewire. In fact, throughout our lives, they're constantly rewiring. We're learning new things. We're experiencing new things. So don't feel, ladies and gentlemen, that if you're struggling with this, you're stuck with it for the rest of your life, because nothing could be further from the truth. Hmm. Let's unpack that a little bit. First of all, the science. God created us, as you said, so there must be a good end to that. What happens? How is it supposed to be directed to the good? And what happens when it goes off kilter? Great question. Um, the way our brain works and some of the common chemicals that are released, uh, dopamine, delta Fos B, uh, a number of different endorphins, oxytocin, these are all chemicals that God created uh, in, in order to make us behave in a certain way. And when we, when we are intimate with our spouse, uh, in our Catholic understanding of what a healthy relationship looks like, it's amazing how those chemicals actually do bond us to one another. You know, years ago, I um, when I when I came back to the Catholic Church, I had crucifixes everywhere in my house, holy statues everywhere in my house. I was so on fire, and I was talking to a priest one time because. They were everywhere in my house except the bedroom. And he, he said a great thing to me. He said, Jim, you're making a huge mistake. Who do you think invented sex? You? No, this is from God. And so now, uh, before my wife and I are intimate, I actually pray. And it's a simple prayer. Lord, help me touch her how she needs to be touched. Help me love her how she needs to be loved. And you'd be amazed when you invite the Holy Spirit into that intimacy, how much better it is. Yeah, I think that concept is going to be mind-blowing for people. And It was for me. <laughs> and, and literally for married couples, you got to try it. You got to do this. Obviously, prayer is supposed to be part of everything of who you are. There's nothing hidden from God. And you shouldn't be trying to conceal something or do something outside of him. He's blessed this for real. So for real. <laughs> pray. I, it, I know it sounds mind-blowing for people. It's not. It's because we have a pornified culture that that seems almost crazy to do. It's not crazy. We've got to reclaim God's charge over our whole selves, including our marital embrace. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it... And if people uh, have not yet read, watched, whatever, Theology of the Body, please do. Uh, it is an incredible resource uh, to understand our human sexuality. And, and God created our sexuality to be a good thing. Arousal is not a bad thing. Being turned on is not a bad thing. What we do with it can be a bad thing. But the fact that our bodies respond in a certain way is never bad. God made it that way. The problem with pornography is it's a complete lie. Now, when I was growing up, um, if you saw a Playboy magazine, it was a big deal. 
And, and I found some of them in the garbage growing up in New York City. And I kept them and they were hidden under my bed. And even at a young age, I knew that was shameful. Hide it. That's your first indication it's not from God. God does not create anything shameful, nothing to be hidden. And when we fall to the lie of pornography, what ends up happening as a chemical reaction in our brains is that we actually start bonding to those pixels, to those images on the screen. I know it sounds completely crazy, but I, I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, if I let you watch pornography and then I, I do a chemical test and I test your brain chemicals, you're going to see it's happening. And that's a scary thing. When the average age in the United States of first exposure to pornography is between eight and 10 years old and their usage amount ramps up the older they get. We are creating a generation of individuals who cannot connect physically or emotionally to another human being because they've bonded so heavily to the screen. Very frightening. Oh. So this is a difficult problem. A lot of people feel totally trapped. Hmm. This is a situation where you feel you have no control. Obviously, I'm talking from personal experience. After my initial sort of conversion, I thought, well, I'm going to give God Sunday mornings. And uh, I actually found myself walking to, back back in the day, it was a porn store. Yep. And I stopped myself and I said, wait, I thought I was doing the God thing. And I realized, oh, crap. This has control over me. I don't have control over this. And so that recognition, that realization actually got me to do the, the very thing that is probably one of the most successful spiritual tools in this whole arsenal. And I'd like to talk to you about that. It got me to read True Devotion to Mary. But it was stunning because it was that very thing, the recognition that, whoa, I don't have control. I, you know, you're always thinking as a, as a, in your early twenties or late teens, I'm fully in control. I know everything. Yeah. Oh no. Holy cow. This has got me. It's funny, John Henry, because uh, you don't even have to be early teens, early twenties. Uh, we always think we're in control and we're not, we're not. Uh, God's the only one in control, truly. And so when, when people are struggling with, with this, um, depending on the level of addiction, there's going to be a lot of different things that they may have to do. There's no one silver bullet. Have there been miraculous healings that, I, that I've personally seen? Yes, absolutely. Uh, where somebody goes, makes an incredible confession, maybe for the first time in 20 years, gets in front of the blessed sacrament and prays and and God lifts that temptation. That happens, but it's rare. And it's rare because I think that God wants our cooperation. Just like he did with you, in order to break free, you had to do something. That devotion to Mary opened your eyes, opened your heart. He wants our cooperation 
in this recovery. Take a look at this. This is Cardinal Burke talking in 2017 about demonic forces entering the church at that time in 2017. Hard to believe that so long ago. This was given at Rome Life Forum, a conference that LifeSite has been running since 2014, actually. Do you know that we're running another one this year, October 31st and November 1st? That is right at the end of this horrific Synod on Synodality. October 31st, November 1st, 2023. Come join us in Rome. Go to romelifeforum.com for more information. Watch Cardinal Burke give this snippet on demonic forces entering into the Vatican from his talk at Rome Life Forum in 2017. It seems clear from the most respected studies of the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima that it has to do with the diabolical forces unleashed upon the world in our time and entering into the very life of the church. For the recovery of peace will be a gift from heaven, but it is not properly speaking the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Her victory is of another order, supernatural, and then temporal by addition. It will first be the victory of the faith which will put an end to the time of apostasy and the great shortcomings of the church's pastors. Let's, for different people, it's probably different things, but give us the program, if you will, that you know that's been successful for most people. There's always going to be some differences, of course, but there is a general pattern that seems to be very successful for people, and what's that? Amen. Absolutely. Um, and again, that's, that goes back to our three pillars that I mentioned before. The first step is the hardest step, ladies and gentlemen, and that is admitting you have a problem. That is very difficult for us as human beings to do for a number of reasons. Shame and guilt is a big one. We need to take that stigma away. I tell people all the time in my talks, you know, in, in our, in our church, in, in a Christian church, uh, probably even in a synagogue, doesn't matter. If somebody comes up after service and says, hey, I'm struggling with alcohol, I'm struggling with drugs. You know what? We've got people jumping over the pews to go talk to that person, to help that person. If that same person comes up and says, hey, I'm struggling with a pornography addiction or a sex addiction, well, everybody drops their eyes and quietly walks away. That has to stop. This is the biggest threat to our church today. Period. End of story. If you want to get healthy, you have to make that admission. That's the first thing. Admit you're powerless and you need help. The second is reaching out. You have to reach out to somebody. And here at Integrity Restored, we like to make sure that people are reaching out not only on the scientific side, through a counselor or a coach or a therapist, but also on the spiritual side to a priest or, or a qualified spiritual director, because those two things together are what is going to help heal your brain. We hear far too often from people who are struggling with this. One of the core beliefs of the addict is that if anybody knew them, they couldn't love them even God. And so you can't just work on the, on the brain chemical science trauma part of it. 
without including that mercy and forgiveness and love that you get from the spiritual part. So the first thing I would say is, is reach out to a therapist or a counselor or a coach. Reach out to your confessor, your priest, another priest, if you're too embarrassed, doesn't matter, get a priest on your team. And then finally, find some people. If you're a guy, find other men who are fighting this battle. If you're a woman, find other women who are fighting this battle. If you're a woman suffering from betrayal trauma because of her husband's usage, find other women. We need community to recover. You can't do this alone. The definition, I'm sorry, the definition of not being an addict is not sobriety, it's community. Because when you're an addict, you're isolated. You are alone. Oh. One of the most dangerous things today is public therapy, because most of psychology is way on the other side of this battle. They're encouraging self-abuse, which is what is properly named masturbation, or it, you know, self-abuse is actually a better term. They encourage porn use. In fact, they give it as therapy for various mental disorders. I remember already years ago, more than 20 years ago, a relative of mine who was suffering mental issues was prescribed this as a therapy. So tell us what kind of counselors, what kind of therapists are you talking about? So generally speaking, I'm talking about Catholic or Christian counselors. The, the, the key thing, there's two key things you want to find out in this counselor. Number one, do they have experience or certifications in dealing with porn and sex addiction? That's very important because there are some nuances to this struggle that your general off-the-shelf counselor may not be able to navigate with you. So you find out those credentials, and we're generally looking for two. The first one is SATP, Sexual Addiction Treatment Provider. The second is CSAT, C-S-A-T-P, Certified Sexual Addiction Treatment Provider. So you look for that. The second thing is, if you can find a Catholic one in your local area, home run. If you can't find a Catholic, look for a Christian. Great. If you can't find a Christian, at least look for a therapist that is open to incorporating your faith beliefs into recovery. And those are questions you just have to ask. Hey, look, I'm a, a practicing Catholic. It's going to be very important to me to incorporate my faith beliefs and my spiritual direction into this recovery. Are you okay with that? Unfortunately, many of them will say no. But then you have your answer, and you move on, and you look for the next one. Um, people can always reach out to Integrity Restored, and we'll put you in touch with the therapists we're affiliated with, or visit sites like the Catholic Psychotherapy Association, catholicpsych.com. Uh, there's a number of them. Just Google it and look for therapists in your area. It's difficult to find, but it is worth it in the recovery journey. There are even some in Canada. Um, the therapists here have to be more circumspect about what they admit 
because parts of the therapy that they would give are illegal in Canada, as they are in some states in the United States, because part of this sexual addiction problem relates to people wanting to come out of homosexuality, for which you can get criminal charges in Canada, should the therapist assist you that way. Although if you want to go the other way, that's oh, yeah. perfectly fine. That's f- well, and interestingly enough, I don't want to scare the audience. But there is kind of a continuum of porn use. And and for most people, you know, start young. Uh, I was 11, 12 years old. Uh, that's old in today's standards. Um, they just start out looking at naked pictures of the opposite sex because it's curiosity. But that gets boring. And then they're looking at couples and then they're looking at groups and then they're looking at violent stuff because the brain is always looking for something novel. And you cannot imagine the amount of people who have contacted me, mostly men, um, married kind of in their 40s, 50s, who now the only thing that turns them on is gay porn. Everything else has gotten boring. And so it's it's very interesting um, that the brain just wants something new all the time and doesn't think of the cost to the heart, to the soul, to the relationships. Here's an interesting question for you then. How then does that work into achieving fulfillment, satisfaction, whatever, in your marriage? Because... Where's the novel? It's a huge, it's a huge problem. Um, look, Viagra was invented, uh, I don't know how many years, a couple decades ago, actually, as a heart drug uh, when, it, when it was first invented. It is now probably the most prescribed uh, drug in the world. And when, when they decided, when they, when they learned that this would help with erectile dysfunction, They started using it, and in almost all cases, uh, if you look at the the medical studies, it was 65 and above that was using this drug because there is natural drops in certain chemicals that create erections in men, uh, you know, as you age. Today is being prescribed to 40-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 20-year-olds. I just read an article in England uh, boys as young as 14, 15 are no longer able to get erections because of the amount of porn they're consuming. Uh, and the body shuts down. It says it's too much. And so instead of the doctors uh, looking at the root cause and saying, hey, just knock off porn for 30 days, everything will start to work again. No, let's prescribe this child a little blue pill. It's insane. Your question is a good one. What ends up happening in the marital relation uh, is that, generally speaking, the man will suffer from erectile dysfunction and and not be able to perform unless he is in front of his computer, getting those constant images bombarding, scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And and I've spoken to many couples uh, where the wife has said, well, I don't want him to leave me. I want him to be fulfilled. So they bring that into the bedroom and she feels used and dirty and almost as if she's not even there. 
And unfortunately, that's the truth of what is happening in this in this man's brain at that moment. You know that here on LifeSite, we love to tell amazing stories. There are a few so heroic and amazing as the story we're about to tell you that's coming soon. You got to watch this. When I was in seminary, I was reading a book by Henry Nouwen. He talked about a nuclear man, you know, and people who grew up in the 1980s were kind of formed by that immediate and constant threat of nuclear annihilation. My generation has grown up, you know, under the specter of priestly sexual abuse. What say you, Mr. Foreperson? Is the defendant guilty or not guilty? I think that for many of us, that has also been all-encompassing, you know. I mean, I entered the seminary in January of 2004, and it's basically been there for me from in the beginning. One priest's sacrifice for many priestly sins. The story of Father John Hollowell. Coming soon from LifeSite News. This is stunning because the science fits so perfectly. It shouldn't be surprising for anybody, but um, God didn't make us after all. But it fits absolutely perfectly with the Catholic teaching. Amen. Absolutely. says, I tell you, he who looks at another woman with lust commits adultery in his heart. So there's no way to do this, this kind of in the bedroom, watch something else and just be with you. That's complete insanity. That is adultery. So um, there's no way around. There, there are a lot of people, unfortunately, who, who believe that this is an okay thing. There are priests who counsel that this is an okay thing. It is mortally sinful and harms your marriage massively. There's, there's no way to do this. So, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. What, what's your message to priests who are confused on this issue and sort of counsel people to, ah, it's okay, it's probably a thing to do? God help you, Father. We are all going to stand in front of the Lord one day. We're going to all answer. And, and, and Lord knows I have a list of things to answer for. Um, but I do have a lot of compassion for these priests because they were never taught in the seminary about these issues at all. Never came up. Uh, here at Integrity Restored, we, we've done over the years um, numerous in-person kind of four-day intensives where we train the priests how to deal with this in, in the confessional, in spiritual direction, in sacramental prep, in just everyday conversations going to a parishioner's barbecue. Because is that ubiquitous now? I mean, even mainstream TV talks about pornography and jokes about it like it's no big deal. So our priests need to be trained. So we're building right now, and I would ask for prayers because we are hitting every wall possible. Uh, the, the enemy does not want this to happen, but we are building an 18-hour online certification program for our priests that is going to be asynchronous. They can do the studies anytime they're available uh, and, and really get this information that they need 
to run an effective ministry in today's world. So please pray for that, ladies and gentlemen. Will do. That, that's, that's huge. Of all the things they need to do, um, that's so central, so basic. It's what they deal with every single day without fail in the confessional. And, and when you talk to a priest or a bishop, I, I promise you, you know, they're not going to break the seal. But if you just ask them, what's the most confessed sin? It's this. It's this. We have people reaching out to us for help who are daily communicants and who have been struggling with this silently for years because of the shame and the guilt. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to stop that. I tell people all the time when I'm out giving public talks, if you yourself are not struggling, you absolutely know and love someone who is. That's just the statistics. That's the numbers. There is a portion, um, a very, very small proportion of people who still understand some of the church's teaching on this. It's ancient church teaching, but it's hardly known at all. Talk to us about custody of the eyes. Hmm. Nobody talks about that anymore. Uh, part of it is because, well, quite honestly, it would make life very difficult. We are surrounded by literally pornographic images or images that, that put one fit, foot on a banana peel that you're going to go down the road. That is, social media is a huge problem. Um, television, advertisements, billboards, it's surrounding us all the time. So the conversation about custody of the eyes has really gone out of our preaching uh, in, in the church. And it's really unfortunate because one of the negative things that happens when we don't talk about it in, in God's understanding of it is that we start to blame the women. Well, it's the woman's fault. She's dressed provocatively. That's wrong. She's tempting me, blah, blah, blah. When I, when I first came back to the church, uh, I would, <laughs> you know, when you're going up to receive communion, Oh, my goodness. Especially when now you finally understand what it means. You're just, your heart is so full. And, you, and you're, you're so excited to receive our Lord and Savior, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And so I'm walking up there, and I am just so excited, and I'm pious as can be. And then, oh, my goodness, what a butt. Just like that, I'm distracted by a beautiful young lady. I was talking to my spiritual director years ago about this, and he said, wow, that's pretty awesome, Jim. What do you mean, Father? He said, look how amazing God made you that you can recognize, even in that moment when you're so focused, you can recognize true beauty. Now, what you do with that thought is your problem. And so we talked about it for a while, and we came up with this strategy, and I've shared it in men's conferences all over the country. When that happens to you, whether it's at mass, which can happen, uh, or on the street, or even watching a program on television, when you see an image like that of a beautiful woman, and right away your mind goes to her body parts or a, a, a lustful thought, stop. Pray for her. And the prayer is very simple. 
Lord, I don't know what this woman needs. I thank you for making this incredibly beautiful sister. I pray for her now that you will grant her what she's looking for at this moment. Done. Takes the lust out of it. I cannot look at that woman the same way if I have just prayed for her. It's amazing how the spirit changes and our brain, again, being neuroplastic, changes. You turn off the deepest part of your brain, the reptile brain, I like to call it, and you turn on the frontal lobe where you're actually thinking. The deepest part of our brain is four Fs, I call it. Flight, freeze, fight, and fornicate. That is in the deepest part of our brain. God made it that way. That's how we stayed alive and and propagated the, the human race. But we need to turn that off or it can just become a lust driver. So when you're stuck uh, dealing with that issue where my eyes are constantly looking, okay, recognize it's a good thing and pray for that person. It's amazing how your thoughts will change. It's amazing. There's another thought that's comparable to that. It was the testimony of a former porn actress. And she said, guys, if you're looking at porn, you have to stop. You have to remember you're looking at someone's daughter, perhaps your own daughter, yep. someone's mother, someone's sister. That as I've gotten older and had kids of myself, my own, the daughter thing really gets you. does more than thinking of just some random person, even sister, child of God, whatever, daughter. Because then you get that from a wholly different perspective. Absolutely. From pro providing and protecting, which is, as Catholic men, what we're supposed to be doing. You're not providing and protecting if you're watching this kind of material. You're actually part of the problem. If there wasn't demand, they wouldn't be making 39 new movies every single day in the United States. Many of those women are drug addicts. Many of those women are economically disadvantaged and being forced. Many of those women are trafficked in the truest definition of the word. I wrote um, a number of years ago a, a book, a little ebook that you could get for free uh, called Porn Slaves. And this is stories of what happens to these people, not just the women, the men as well. Uh, they're being abused all the time. And we as Catholic men say, well, that's okay because I'm not cheating on my wife. Hmm. Number one, you are. And number two, it can never be okay to allow someone to be abused like that. If we lower the demand, they will stop producing. It's all about money. It's a multi-hundred billion dollar industry. Yeah. So let's go back to your thought from earlier, because there is a portion to it that is about modesty as well. Um, and I know you didn't mean to dismiss that. It's just on the part of us guys, when we're dealing with it in the marketplace, as you might say, or the, in, the, in the public yes. square, we have to practice custody eyes. Absolutely. We have to recognize in that daughter of our Lord, our own child or our own sister, 
however you want to look at it, that enables you to get there. Um, and it's a powerful mind shift, as you said. But talk to us about modesty as well. What does it mean in this whole war? It's one of many things uh, that, that literally breaks my heart. I, too, am a father. And I have a daughter. And unfortunately, the message that our young girls, uh, women, are receiving today is their value is only in the collection of their body parts and how they look. And that's heartbreaking. And so, of course, many of our young girls, and unfortunately, our parents, the parents of these girls don't know any better either. They've fallen for the lies that in order to be popular or successful, they have to dress immodestly and show their quote unquote assets um, to, to be attractive. How can we allow as fathers, at least I can't talk for moms, but as fathers, how can we allow our daughters to be distilled down to just the sum of their body parts and physical attributes, how they look? I, it enrages me, honestly, that we allow that. Women need to be modest. There's no question. Uh, it's important for their own well-being, their own um, self-esteem uh, to, to be modest. It makes them feel much better. They don't like being oogled. They want the attention, but not in that way. So why don't we treat our young, uh, teach our young ladies to dress beautifully, attractively, but modestly. It doesn't have to be opposites. It's, it's unbelievable. You know, part of this disconnect is about women not understanding guys and guys not understanding women as well, but 100%. I can speak in the one direction much more easily than the other. Um, I've said it so many talks to young people. So, and this is for a mixed audience. So I'd like the guys to come up whoever wants to say what you think of when you see a girl walking down the street, mini skirt, high heels, you know, crop top, whatever, all those wonderful words that you think of in your mind when you see that and you're looking after her, come on up and tell us. No one volunteers. I had once one guy, uh, I was in New Zealand giving a talk. One of these guys thought he was real cool. He came up to front. And he just said a swear word. I won't even repeat it here. And I said, thank you. Thank you for being honest. Now, young ladies, that's what the guys are thinking. Not a single one of them is ever going to go, wow, she is so beautiful. She's such a gift of God. I wish I could meet her and get married. I think we would make beautiful children together. Sorry. No. That's not uh, there, what happens. Not at all. There was, a, there was a study a few years ago, and I, 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 I was racking my brain trying to think of it while you were speaking, and I can't at the moment. But they showed guys in, in kind of an MRI machine um, to, to study the areas of the brain uh, that lit up with certain imagery. And this was kind of uh, incredible, but not surprising. When they showed very scantily dressed 
women to the men, the same area of the brain lit up when they showed them a hammer. When they showed a scantily dressed woman to a man, the same area of the brain lit up when they showed them a hammer. And people go, I don't understand the correlation. It's unfortunate and simple. It's something to be used. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. But that's what happens, uh, particularly in adolescent males' brains. The more they're exposed to those images, the more women just become something for their pleasure, something to be used uh, for their benefit. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm sure you will agree, that is not how marriage works. And then we wonder why the divorce rate is what it is. The American Association of Matrimonial Lawyers, a nice way of saying divorce lawyers, and, and by the way, these are not probably the most moral people in the world, has said in up to 60% of divorces, pornography usage has played a significant role. Wow. Unreal. So do we get to freedom? I mean, this problem sounds so ubiquitous. Um, it it really is stunning, the, the numbers. When you first give us those numbers, what does it actually look like in terms of where the public is actually at? Given how stunning it is, is, is freedom still possible, actual freedom? Mm -hmm. um, so the, the numbers are what I said before without, and I'll give you some stats in a moment, but uh, without the numbers, if you yourself, I can almost make this promise guaranteed. If you yourself are not struggling today, you absolutely know and love someone who is. That's how widespread it is. Some studies say between 80 and 90% of men uh, under the age of 65, So, and they're studying between 18 and 65, 80 to 90% of men have used pornography in the last week, um, and now increasingly up to 40% of women uh, in, that, in that similar age group. So... Uh, the woman's number is growing rapidly. Men's number has always kind of been steady. The fact of the matter is, Sundays at church, in the pews, there are people struggling. And who's helping them? I kind of take it as a challenge that we have to help everybody. Because um, this is everybody's problem. This is the problem of our of our priesthood, of our marriages, of our future generations. How can we not address this? When, the, when most of these people are starting to doubt their relationship as a son or daughter of a loving God because they haven't been able to break free. So that means God doesn't care. Or he doesn't care about me. That's a sad place to be. Your second question, is freedom possible? Absolutely. Is it going to be easy? No. Is recovery a straight line? Do this, do this, do that? No, not at all. Particularly with this issue, because again, we're carrying our own source of supply, those addictive chemicals uh, that the body craves. The society that we live in that, that constantly bombards us with 
hypersexualized imagery and language. So it's not going to be easy, but it is possible. Here at Integrity Restored, I've been doing this work for eight years now, um, thousands, we've seen thousands of, of people healed from this addiction. Uh, hundreds, if not thousands of marriages healed. Uh, children protected who were, who were struggling with this. And the parents, thanks be to God, got involved and, and got them help. Um, there's a lot of hope, too. And I can promise you, when you speak to somebody who's in recovery or recovered, when you speak to a marriage that has been healed of, of this damage, it's never been better. You see, God will allow us to go through this struggle, but boy, he has something so much better in mind for us. And once we get to that other side, the gifts are incredible in our own lives and in our relationships. Yeah. There is another side. There is an ability to get to purity. God wants that for us. He wouldn't put that want in us without giving us that ability. And the resources are there. Tell us, please, Jim, where can we find the resources that we need? Sure. Um, I, I would recommend you go to integrityrestored.com uh, to start your search. And uh, if you have any specific questions, you can always send us an email, info at integrityrestored.com. We've got a weekly podcast that talks about this. We have a great online Integrity Circle coaching program um, for people to learn more about this addiction, how it works, the scientific, the spiritual, and the relational uh, aspects of it. Uh, we have a program for wives called Bloom for Catholic Women, for women suffering from betrayal trauma. So um, that'd be a great first step. And the, the one thing I tell people all the time, continue to educate yourself. This problem is everywhere, in every family, in every parish, in every community. Make sure you are educated so that you can help those that God puts in your circle of influence. One of the big questions people are going to have is for their children, for their youth, um, their teens and whatnot. Is there stuff specifically for parents there as well? There is on our website. Um, we have a really, there's a whole section on our website just for that. Uh, we have a really cool resource in our store. Uh, it's a little tiny book. It's called Plunging Pornography, a Catholic bathroom book for teens. And uh, the concept behind the book is the parents read it first, and then you drop it in the kid's bathroom. And we all know that teenagers spend an inordinate amount of time in the bathroom. It doesn't matter if they're boys or girls. They hang out in the bathroom a lot. At some point, you're going to hear that kid giggling because this book is really funny. That's a great time to start the conversation. Here's the things, mom and dad. This is not a one and done conversation. This is not the birds and the bees talk. This is something your child is going to be battling every day for the rest of their life. The world doesn't want this to go away. So you have to equip your children with the tools and the understanding how to navigate that. So this is a constant conversation. And what I tell parents all the time, please, please 
for heaven's sake, please do not react with anger if you find out your child is using porn, has been exposed to porn. React with mercy because it's not their fault. We allowed the world to get to this point. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one-ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com, where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. Unbelievable. It is a, it is a story. I have a, want to give you this one funny little story. Um, comes to me from a great friend of mine, Michael Ryan. Um, he talks about in monastery guy in his 30s goes, finally enters the monastery, and he has this problem. And uh, he's there a couple of years. And he goes to the director, who's 80 years old, and he says, Father, Father, can I talk to you privately? They go over the corner, yes, my son. I've been struggling with this, these thoughts, these impurities, for like the last two years. I thought when I came here, it'd be much better. But you, you, you Father, you, you've been here many, many years, and you're, you're a man of advanced years and, and holiness. Tell me, when does it end? And the father looks at him and replies, you better go speak with Brother Dominic. He's 99. Moral of the story is this, this battle continues. Amen. It continues throughout all of our lives. Absolutely. And, and, and particularly as parents, I, you know, you're going to need to start having these conversations younger than you want to. Um, and I tell parents all the time, when you're having these conversations with your kids, leave your own broken sexual narrative at the door. We all have that. We live in a fallen world. We've all had struggles or thoughts or difficulties or, or done things that maybe we wish we didn't. Don't bring that into the conversation with your child. They don't have that. They're pure, they're innocent, and they're like a sponge. So start early talking to them about their bodies and sexuality and what it means in God's eyes, what God's plan for sexuality is for their life, and have that conversation regularly. And when your child does come across porn, because they will, you'll be the first person they come to, not their buddy on the playground. And that's what you want. Unbelievable. Jim O'Day, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. You are attacking Satan head on. Our prayers are with you. It's a, it's a great work. It's a courageous work. That's one that's so needed in our society today. Integrityrestored.com. Go check it out. God bless you, Jim. God bless you. Thank you so much for having me. And God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. Thank you. 
Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.